covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Welcoming fans of the 50-yard fight, this is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Eilman in, as always, to kick things off as we're gearing up for Week 7 action in the National Arena League. Three full games on the slate this week, so yes, you will get a little bit more than just one. We also get earlier NAL action, so if you're tuning in today as of the show, you might be going, hey, why is this posted earlier? If you're a diehard fan of ours, why are you watching in the morning? Well, simple fact is the week's kicking off a little earlier, so we have to kick off a little earlier too. We got Friday night football in the NAL, something that uh, is pretty rare um, in terms of scheduling. We were, I mean, shoot, man, we were talking last year about how the fact we were getting more Sunday games. Now we got Friday games. We got two of them this year. This is the first of two on the slate. Uh, also got a of course, a full three-game slate on the docket we'll be discussing entirely as we go along. Let me bring in my co-host, kick things off fully. Can't do this whole show until he is on here. My good pal, good friend, my buddy, the man who has designed all this amazing graphical content on here. It is Jim Mernier. Jim, good to see you. As always, we got Friday night football in the National Arena League. That is, uh, like I said, it is a ra- it is very much a rarity for this league, but still young in its history. So might be seeing that more depending on how things grow as we go. But uh, we'll get to test that out a little bit with viewership and attendance this week, and with a good one too over in Carolina. That that's that's the key here. It's it's the game of the week over there for us, and I think for most people, is you get the Carolina Rumble on a Friday night right after you get off work. Yeah, uh, if you're listening to this podcast right now, it's roughly, I think, 10.06 a.m. on the East Coast, if you're listening. Mm-hmm. Um, so tonight, YouTube, Fayetteville hosts the Carolina Cobras, a Carolina Cobra team that just came off a big-time one-sided, you can say almost a one-sided win against the Orlando Predators um, on their home field. Now they travel a long way down to Fayetteville from Greensboro, a long distance. A good um, long tra- trip on the bus. Um, from from our special guest that joins our show later today, Trey Long, uh, about an hour and a half drive, so it's not really a long distance. Uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup, the Carolina Rumble. Uh, I've come to think of it, it's almost like a clone versus a clone because both teams are very similar to each other and have players who have played with each other on that Carolina team from last year. Um, so it's going to be pretty intriguing, but we also have two other games this weekend. Um, we have a big showdown out in Odessa, so big that we have mascots uh, fighting against Nutridors, uh, some <laughs> some wrestler, I think it is Mysterio, not Ray, the some San Antonio gunslinger fan that Mysterio's in, but still feeling like Love a soon-to-be official mascot for the gunslingers. Unless we yeah. can find Sheriff Power, we learned we we forgot about, and then we're reintroduced to Sheriff Power this week, and went, yeah. where the hell's Sheriff Power? Greatest yeah. mystery in the NAL right now. Where is <laughs> and, he going? And also, we have two historical in arena landscape franchises colliding in Jacksonville this weekend. Six combined championships between the two clubs. We'll show down in, in Vice Arm Veteran Memorial Friday night where the Albany Empire, led by Jonathan Bain and Coach Manos, take on Sam Castronova and the Jacksonville Sharks. That's mm-hmm. weird to keep saying that, but still, it's usually Bane's a shark and Castronova is a uh, empire. But yes, we got three big matchups. 
We're claiming it on this show today as the pseudo-rivalry week of the National Arena League um, because we have historical games. We hopefully have two births of two rivalries between both San Antonio and West Texas and Fayetteville and Carolina. Of course, Jacksonville and Albany already have somewhat of a history with each other. Um, The two organizations have very historic and golden past with trophies and awards. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting game seven or game seven, really interesting week seven, week seven. Of, of the national <laughs> We're in game seven, ladies and gentlemen, this is do or die today. Um, but also before we continue on, uh, follow us on Twitter. So on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and I already said, yeah, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the big ones at M pod. Also join the conversation in our discord page. We have gotten some more uh, feedback. We have some more people on there. Have a couple Mustang people there now, so it's starting to grow. Uh, link is in our description. Also, coming soon to a store near you in the Muck t-shirts and don't be a jack out of the box t-shirts. Um, they will be in all colors from every NAL team. Red and black for the Sharks, black and red for the Predators or vice versa. But yes, um, the deal is getting close, so I'm just telling you they're coming soon. And so watch out for that. Um, from the Inside the Walls podcast. So, I also had a request. And I want you, the fans who are listening to us, if you're in the chat right now, this is not live, but thank you for listening. If you're in the chat right now, should we, Inside the Walls podcast, create a T-shirt at the end of the year for the four seed and call them the champions of the muck? So if they hmm. get the playoffs, they're the champions of a muck. Let us know in the, in the chat, on Twitter, on Facebook. If you do, yes, do it. Whoever is the four seed this year going to the playoffs, they will have a T-shirt created, Champions of the Muck, uh, because we got it. You know, got some offer, not offers, a suggestion. Which NFL, NBA, NHL, a lot of the teams have locked in, clinched, we're in, like in type of T-shirts. Why not the NAL do something like that, where the three playoff teams, the top three, get in, and the four seed gets the champion of the Muck, like they're the wild card team. So. Let me let us know if you like that idea. We'll we'll put that forward for I don't know ten weeks from now, where playoff season begins here in the National yeah. League. Didn't your Jaguars have a clinch shirt? Yes. Th- anyway, this year, I, I mean, credit that came down to the final week of the year. But I mean, we had two. That, we had AFC South, and we're clinched. There you go. So yeah. So. That's why that's why I thought. Yeah, I mean, seriously, drop a comment in our video or on or if you want uh, on social media, you know, add us and let us know what you think. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that was a nice surprise, Jim and Formy of this week. So you know, that'll be coming out pretty shortly. Should be uh, fun designs. Where that phrase is starting to spread around a little bit for some of our fans and uh, gaining some traction. So we'll uh, keep gladly using the muck as well. I've been trying to get back into. I would say practice with Jack out of the box. We got away from it for a little bit, but we'll, we'll, we'll get back into it, into gear, but you know, Hey, getting our own stuff. The muck is sticking. Well, you know, it's <laughs> sticking when you have coaches from other teams mention it on their shows or on TV or on their radio broadcast. Uh, it, it catches on. So uh, if you're new to the legal agent, you're like, what's the heck is the muck? Unless our fans are already chatting on our, on the chat right now. Or you see when you first watch or listen to it on podcast platform. Hello, podcasters. Yeah, that too. Um, the Muck is the team, a group of teams that are 
battling for the four seed. They're usually the muck. I mean, it's such a cluster because over the last couple of years, the muck has been sub 500 teams fighting for that last playoff spot. And you, and then I came up with the name about two years ago. I'm like, you know what? It's like, it's getting very mucky in here because no one wants to take the four seed. It's such, it's just a cluster. So the term, the muck began. So right now, four, five, six, and seven are considered the muck. I and mean, right now, Fayetteville will be considered the champions of the muck right now. Um, but if you're a team that's above the muck line, which is the four spot, you're, you're sitting pretty good right now. But technically right now, the Jack, the Sharks can be considered in the muck because they have the same record with the Fayetteville Mustangs. So that's where the muck came from. It was just a idea that popped up about two years ago of uh, describing Carolina, New Jersey, Orlando, and Jacksonville uh, in 2001 right after the pandemic um, because Columbus and Albany were just kicking everyone's behind. So the muck yes, was, were. the muck was just who can be the three, who could be the four. That was the whole muck that year. But yes, for you newcomers to the national Marine league and also hello to the new fans. I know the national Marine league has been trending over the last couple of days, apparently uh, again, um, more recently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So welcome to the community. Um, thank you for finding this show. Remember like subscribe, click the bell. Like a good friend of ours, it builds morale. Um, welcome to the the beautiful arena game. Trust me, we love doing this, and the players love you guys that join, go to these arenas and join them. Great action. Um, heartfelt, you know, passion from these fan bases. You'll enjoy it. So welcome to the new people who are re being reintroduced to arena football. Yeah. Good to have you in with us. Good to be, have you along for the ride. Uh, and we've got quite the journey still ahead, not even at the halfway point of the year, slowly approaching that, but we are still through in the thick of the first half of the season right now mm -hmm. uh, to get things started. But yeah, the, the muck very much active every week of the year. It, it never goes away anymore. Um, and probably won't even if with the expand with the expansion of the league, that probably won't even that'll stick around for years to come. So we'll go, let's let's uh, I would say dive in on our own talk about the muck in the form of well, you know our power rankings. Why not add it? Week seven rankings and awards, of course. So along with uh, the rankings, we are going to be trying to bring up more of the. Uh, offensive defensive special teams and Ironman awards from the previous week's action because uh, they do they do usually drop later in the week so it's a good time to just kind of recap that is during this second show um, might as well kick things off we'll talk the rankings first uh, while we get started and I think what's fascinating we talk about you know the coaches poll being you know, I, I think the one that a lot of people look for is seeing what the internal guys have to say about it. We have, we always get our own with the media, but the coaches one, um, pretty, I think, straightforward. Uh, you know, San Antonio, Carolina keeping its spot, Jacksonville, uh, faithful jumping and staying up at four right now. Really, Orlando, kind of the only one to move. I mean, credit, that's because of a loss, one game. You're not going to see a crazy amount of movement. And a lot of these guys, you know, even in our media poll, you know, coaches, I think they more value kind of the previous week's work is how it goes. So right now there's your standard seven on the coaches side of things on the media side of things though. Brace yourself is, is uh, yeah, it's uh, Hey, exactly, <laughs> exactly same thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, no change that in terms of between the media and coaches. Now from last week though, there is, Definitely some movement. So the Cobras, they solidify themselves in our media poll as number two. Last week, things were flipped. Uh, Fayetteville jumps up 
predators drop down. And then you'll notice as well, we do a point system because not everyone agrees completely. So the Preds, Warbirds, and Empire all have 22 points per se um, in terms of votes. Uh, the Gunslingers out of the poll, 10 first place vote votes, which is pretty much unanimous that they picked number one out of all of them. We try and do it uh, as we can best describe it. Uh, think of college football ranking style in terms of how we do our media poll. Um, but yeah, only movement, a few movements up the board um, one way or another. But I think the main storyline, like you talked at the end of this past week, is uh, the Preds do drop a little bit because they do got a few things to figure out. Yeah, and, and it's for the first time between the two polls and between the two groups, us and the coaches, we all agree on the seven teams in order. And what's unique is about like collecting the votes from all of these uh, from all of the media personnel in the league uh, who who cover the league. It, I find it funny that all of us. I kind of agree that Orlando Warbirds and Empire are all in that same group. Uh, they're all five, six, or seven in the flip flop. Um, there is a person out there I'm not going to mention who does the media poll that has Albany at number three. So that tells you how many points that number three got. Um, so if, if that number person didn't vote Albany number three, Albany would have been a little lower or for your points, but it's pretty uh, unique how our opinions on my opinions of the poll. Um, I, I'll just tell you right now that my poll that I did, I did Gunslingers, Cobra, Sharks, Mustangs, um, Warbirds, Empire, and Predators. I had Predators last um, because last week I had Predators at six. So gun down and, and I think it's more me justifying that Baines in Albany now, which will help and Manassas is back, which will help. So, um, the poll is unique, uh, but then again, uh, gunslingers are number one for a reason. They're unbeaten, but those Cobras are right there. Um, they're one or two uh, media members away from getting first place votes, and they're competing as the number one ranked team in the nation. But right now, or in our league, but right now it's a pretty uh, interactive poll. Uh, it's it's we can honestly, I can say we can tell how the league is being we want to say this is rivalry week we also want to say it's kind of a pseudo separation weekend possibly for the top three and you can see by both polls what coaches and us believe it's it's that it's starting to form question is would it be executed the way that we think it's going to be executed so we have that separation weekend but we won't know until the games are played, especially tonight in Fayetteville and then capitalizing or capping it off in Odessa late Saturday night. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you can maybe say that there will be a little more definitive changes. Um, I'm holding out on the separation Saturday talk right at the moment, just or separation week, whatever you want to call it. We used mm -hmm. to call it separation Sunday or Saturday, depending on how it went in the NAL week of games. And I, I the only reason I'm doing that is because even with even if you say you have the situation where, Fayetteville, Odessa, and an Albany lose. Um, that still leaves a one-game gap from the fourth spot. That, and that's mm -hmm. kind of where I'm at. I, and I think that maybe you can say Carolina and San Antonio make that separation. But even then, you still have in the top four, you know, there's – I'm not there yet fully because I, I think that you can still see some stuff later down the line. But and it's also pretty early too. That, that's part of why. Yeah. It's not – like so we're not even at a halfway point yet of the season. Um, now, if certain trends continue, say you get Fayetteville, they lose a few in a row, or you know you get 
Jacksonville, Carolina, and uh, you know San Antonio, they just start keep keep winning on winning streaks. Then yeah, we we can talk about the four the ba- the bottom half and the top half kind of mm-hmm. starting to duke it out for different reasons at that point. But not yeah, fully it, there yet. But it also it does we push can, towards. We can also we we can you know speculate what happens in previous seasons. We have seen the top two teams, top three teams, beat each other up but they feast on the lower part of the league. So you'll have the top three teams pull away from the pack because they're dogfighting between each other, so they're round-robbing each other. And But when they play everyone below them, they're winning those games. We possibly could see that. And usually in a lot of professional sports, you do see that, where the top three teams or the top teams in each division, no matter what league you watch, they they compete with them, the top-tier teams, but they also get the wins against the lower-tier teams when they're on their schedule, because honestly, when you're a professional organization, that's what you're, if you want to compete for championships, you beat the teams that are going to give you a challenge, but you're mm-hmm. supposed to guarantee you're going to beat teams that should be beaten early or lesser teams. But we might see that, but again, it's week seven. The we're going to have a semi type of schedule in about three weeks time again in the NAL where we have San Antonio, uh, taking on Carolina, Jacksonville, taking on Fayetteville. And I want to say West Texas, no, Albany and Orlando play each other again. So that could be a, a, a potential either some, you know, crazy jumping again or an actual separation where we'll see a definite separation between the four and the five where the champion of Muck could be cl- uh, crowned very early compared to past years. But, yeah, um, it it's – as people who cover this league, it's a semi-separation weekend. It could be the top three could start showing that they are, you know, the top-tier teams. Also, Fayetteville can win, and we got just a big cluster again where San Antonio has the option if Fayetteville wins this weekend, and let's say Jacksonville wins, and, or, and San Antonio wins. San Antonio got that th- almost a two-game lead. A two-game lead plus tiebreakers are both Fayetteville and Jacksonville, so that, that's two and a half right there. So you get that small separation on the weekend. But um, that's the joy of this game. The joy I loved about this game is arena football season is just like the game itself. Uh, when you think everything is going the way you think, we have complete chaos. That's why we call it the one-minute rule in our league. Um, we had a couple last year we had complete chaos. We, we thought it was going to be separation Sunday, and then all the lower-tier teams won, and all the big-tier, top-tier teams lost. And you're like, oh, well, well it's not something. now it's become – the whole league is a muck because it was so competitive at that point until it starts held down until everything separates. So yeah, um, unique. So yeah, too early. Yeah, I agree too early for separation Sunday or separation weekend. Um, but I see it in a couple of weeks because there's some pivotal matches coming up here in a couple of weeks. So speaking about last week, uh, we talked about homeboy last week. Uh, one man band, Zach Brown, one man band, Zach Brown had a hell of a year. Hell, excuse me. Hell of a week. Uh, and the year he's having, he's playing great football. Yes, he is. Um, but honestly, if he's listening to the show, I want to say, Zach, I think you played the best game of your career this past weekend against the Orlando Predators. Of course, Mike Green, he makes a, uh, or he gets a shot out uh, today or later in the show um, by his uh, colleague and friend of uh, Trey Long. He is the defensive player of the week. And of course, the GOAT, Darius Prince, special teams player of the week. You can't you can't deny that the guy ever had two kick returns um, back to back. Him and Adam Smith were having a personal game between them each other uh, earlier this week. So um, 
again, one game, but the right man, uh, Zach, the one-man band, uh, got exactly the award he deserved because that boy was dominant this, this past weekend. Nope. Did everything, everything and anything he wanted mm-hmm. uh, in the run game. Uh, probably the, one of the best running games arena that I've seen in a little while. Um, just Agreed. finding whatever he pleases, touchdown, touchdown lanes for, you know, <laughs> basically him and, and Verls as well. Uh, both of them were having a day, but I mean, Brown was able to find lanes and break long runs that you don't often get at that consistent of a pace. So uh, yeah, kudos to him. Obviously great defender himself too, being in the middle, in the middle of defense and great pursuit. So uh, hats off to him. Definitely deserving the awards. I better hear nobody talk about, but it's just one game. Yeah, but y- you know what? Dude still comes out in balls every night. So let's not let's not even devalue. I haven't seen that this week. I'm just saying if I do see somebody say that, uh, please uh, kick kick rocks because you, I don't want to hear that whatsoever. Uh, Darius Prince, same deal. I mean, any game comparison, that would be a special teams player of the week for sure. Two touchdown returns himself. You know, and then of course Mike Green. I mean, what the hell else could you say about Mike Green's day as well? If it wasn't, if it wasn't Zach Brown and company running the ball against against the Predators, it was Mike Green making long returns or scoring touchdowns off interceptions for the Cobras. So, uh, yeah, fantastic weekend if you were Carolina Cobra or Darius Prince himself, the goat, if you will. Um, but yeah, congrats to all of them. Uh, good performances, and now. We officially can move on to week seven. We we close the book, the chapter on week six. That's the final gasp. It is now time to jump into week seven of the National Arena League. And we have, as you've put it, Jim, a, ri- a rivalry week of sorts. We'll, we'll dive in, you know, at least uh, in some capacity. San Antonio, West Texas, the battle for Texas. That's what we're labeling it. Having fans, the Gunslingers, Gotta give kudos to the organization. They are uh, they're doing a bus trip for fans buying tickets. Uh, mm-hmm. That is that should be leaving uh, to I mean leave as we ever record as this recording drops. It should be the next day, so Saturday at some point they'll be leaving to go to Odessa and check out the team playing up there. So really cool stuff. Always love bus trips and fan trips to go to games because you don't always see that in arena. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll obviously hit on that with our game of the week because of the distance being so short, but I love hearing those kind of offers because if you're a diehard, that's the total trip you sign up for. And it's a blast from what we've seen. It's a lot. It's all about that. It's all about the love of your arena team and you're getting to go and support them out on the road. Not something often you see in our level of sport. Uh, no, it's very common, especially here in Florida, uh, these bus trips because Orlando and Jackson was a short trip. And I think there might be something similar to that in Carolina between Fayetteville and Carolina. Um, but still, what San Antonio has done to get their fans to go on a five-and-a-half-hour road trip out west to Odessa in a very, you know, driving west of to, out Texas, you know, it's not boring. There's a lot of things to look at out there when you're heading west. Um, well, I've been told it's it's – from a certain person that uh, I've come fond with, uh, chatting with um, in our league, it, it's considered one of the most boringest drives to ever do. And I, we, we, everyone has that stretch of road in their home state where you're like, I can't, man, mile marker this to this town. Jesus, this is going to take forever. Hopefully the music is good. Apparently in Texas, there's a lot of that 
no matter where you go because uh, it's such a big state. Um, <laughs> but still, for the organization in San Antonio, giving their fans a chance to get great hotel deals to go to Odessa, spend two nights, uh, go watch your team um, play the West Texas Warbirds, build that rivalry up. Um, to the San Antonio fans that are making that trip, be safe. Hopefully you have a fun journey. Go have fun with Top Gunner. Yes, I know he's kind of popping off right now, but uh, he's a great mascot. Dude loves what he does. And he, he's savage because he cares. Um, because he's really savage because I want to share some stuff before we break down the game. Um, this is what he's been posting, ladies and gentlemen. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, this is what he's been posting on Facebook. The nobody and the bunslingers. It's literally a cheeseburger with a ketchup of mustard thing. And he's holding it like a gun, shooting out pickles. This week it's the bunslingers. If you are a if you're a fan out there in Odessa, yeah. um, follow your mascot because it's uh, definitely pumping things up. What I love is that you're getting interactions from our buddies over at Smoking Guns. They've uh, taken a very proactive, them and a few other diehard Gunslingers fans have taken a very proactive mm-hmm. approach to, uh, in, I wouldn't maybe call it engaging yeah. <laughs> in Top Gunner's antics and just having a laugh. Uh, but I mean, he's been savage all week. Like there's that one right there, you know. But or you the see hot the bun dogs theme. or the guns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then my personal favorite is this next one. <laughs> I, I, lo- I love that. I love that moment. We wish we could play the audio, but it's vulgar and I don't want to get flagged. But still, it's, if you're looking yeah. on YouTube and you see who it is, you go, I've seen that TikTok. I've seen that Instagram. Um, but yes, uh, again, mad props. Uh, to Top Gunner and mad props to the fans of San Antonio, especially our our colleagues over the Smoking Guns podcast, um, feeding into the antics almost. Uh, you know, really getting this energy going. Um, but I have to say, this is one of the most impressive weeks from Top Gunner. Um, I don't know where this guy finds this stuff, especially this cheeseburger gun shooting pickles. Um, He's on his own level, Jim. That was, That's all you can do. I was going. I'm just going to say, Mike, man, uh, and yes, uh, that's what this sport needs, and that's what that rivalry needs to start something. But rivalries are not created by loyal fan bases and mascots. Rivalries are created by moments that are not planned, or a certain moment or event in a game that either a causes a team to lose, or b rips someone's heart out. Not not like heartbreak well, or not like and in, we're, we're not doing Kaliman here um but and, and in the words of uh coach gibson it is a two-way street you got to win against the op- opposition at least Correct. once so Agreed. that that is a crucial factor by the way <laughs> you know yeah, it's exchange blows and what's very crucial about this game right here um is the performance of no other than arvell nelson this year arvell nelson has just been on point he's averaging 223 yards per game this season he has over 800 almost a thousand yards passing i think he gets it in this game he has oh he has 19 touchdowns this year he is completely on another level right now also the other quarterback from the other side is daniel smith he's right at right now 657 yards passing and he has a a passing rating or passes per yard per game at 164, and he's at seven touchdowns passes to the, so far. So 
you're looking at this game and when you're comparing quarterbacks and you're comparing teams, you compare the single the single caller. Arvell Nelson, I said the last show and I said the last week, he is playing MVP caliber type of ball right now. Uh, we he basically gave us a little shout out without saying a shout out to us on the Smoking Guns podcast where Phil, who uh, is the host of the Smoking Guns, asked about a certain show, uh, was excited that you didn't throw an interception, and he kind of acknowledged that show who that show that mentioned that so. Arvell, thank you. Really appreciate it. Um, but yes, stats don't lie. Numbers don't lie. Right now, Arvell Nelson is playing MVP level caliber as a quarterback. And of course, Daniel Smith, last game, played pretty well, won the game, made the big crucial pass to win the game against the Albany Empire. But the, the matchup I'm looking forward to in this game, these guys may not line up against each other, but this must be the battle between who's the better 5'8 receiver. Is it Kyler Rashad or Childress? That's the matchup I'm looking for in this matchup is those two dudes. Those two dudes are so explosive, so na- – uh, oh, not natural. That's not a word. So um, agile. There we go. So yeah, agile, so explosive, smart, um, great hands, great route running. And one thing is we've noticed from Childress and from Rashad, they are both game changers – where if they go off, they can will their team to win victory, which Childress did against Albany a couple of weeks ago. So a lot of intriguing matchups here. And also the one thing I want to mention is that we mentioned before, but about West Texas in the past. Now they got that their backside, their, their Jack and their Mac is now reloaded with two studs at Starks and Shorts. My question is now, is Cam Brooks and Turner – match that intensity from a shorts and um, Starks. This game two weeks ago would have been one-sided. I think we're going to have a an old-school Texas showdown, if you know what I mean. I'm really looking forward to it. I think this is actually a dark horse, dark horse game of the week uh, because I think West Texas is turning the corner, and I think they got the guys there to do it. I want to see what they did with a bye week is the best way I can put it. Yes, they've been doing a lot of roster turnover. They have been plug and playing, trying to find the best fits overall. Um, I still have a lot of questions on offensive efficiency because one game you'll have Daniel Smith where he's throwing effectively. The next, it's a struggle bus just to get three touchdowns on the board. So. You got to give me that first off. They're doing a lot of things that they've upgraded to where if you want to slow down opponents, I mean, yeah, if you want to run against opponents, well, absolutely. Trayvon Shorts was brought in to do two jobs because of the fact that he is a good runner and that he also is a very ball-hungry linebacker as well. So they, they brought that in. It also takes off pressure from Kerry Starks so they can basically unleash him on the D-line and let him basically specialize and do his thing as an edge rusher. So, you know, that helps too. My, Like I said, my thing is I do want to see what offensively grows out of this game. Um, I mean, Smith, I think, you know, clearly he's going to probably get the starting gig. Um, they are trying to experiment, and they are looking at options. They actually brought in a good QB from the FCF level called named Mitch Kidd, um, which we don't have too many FCF crossover guys on this show that watch it, but for folks that did watch FCF, 
people love the guy. He was given a lot of props. So, you know, I'm not saying that that's like something that you should be watching out for, but if things do go south and you're looking for a spark, I don't know. Guys played arena too. Um, I'm like I said, if, 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 if things come out and they're going well and that they've fixed some inefficiencies outside of jail and children's connection, then yeah, we're golden, but that's what I'm looking for. Like what kind of, what, what West Texas offense am I getting? Cause it can't be the effort that I saw in Albany. They're lucky. They walked out of the capital region with a win in the first place yeah. and they've had two weeks. So I expect there's been progress, but is it enough to beat the gunslingers? That's the thing. Cause even if they even with San Antonio having sometimes lapses every, like say a drive or two a game, they still can, you know, on the opposite side of the ball, make up for a deficiency or a once a game interception off of Arvell Nelson, where they can give that up and still comfortably be in it with you every step of the way. I agree. I, I don't disagree with any of you in the statement you just said. Uh, one thing that I want to really want to know, who is going to be that second receiver that shows out for West Texas? Who is that guy? Because you look over in San Antonio, you have a second receiver. That's Phil Barnett. You know who he is. He's been showing out. He's Phil Barnett has made more crucial catches this season so far for the San Antonio Gunslingers than he did all last year, and he's done it the first four weeks of the season, or the first four games. Yes, sir. But for West Texas, they did enough two weeks ago to win the game, and Childress had a hell of a game. He had a couple of interceptions, a couple of touchdowns. Daniel Smith played good, but a good Daniel Smith – cannot beat San Antonio. I, I do think I have an answer for you. I just want to, I'm curious as to how much he gets in terms of touches. And that's Richie Anderson who got picked up recently for West Texas. Mm-hmm. So, cause to me, if I'm looking at their, at their receiving core yeah. out of guys that I have trust in that can make an impact, you know, Childress has proven it. He's their guy. That was a guy that came over from rosters in the past. He stepped in, he's playing great Ironman football. Now, Who's your second option? Richie's the other one I'm going to. I think you get if he if he's gotten involved and active, I think you see Coach Smith slide him in. And right now he's listed on now credit. This is the NAL website, but he's listed as a, a wide receiver right. only. Um, I believe that he would be a wide receiver only because you don't take Childress off of his good play. He's playing right now, so I bet you put Anderson in this week. They signed him off, got a good talent that I think was on. That I think was basically uh, overshadowed by recent transactions. And I think he's a good number two that you can rely on someone that is a little lengthier, you know, and can go up and get the ball Mm -hmm. for you. So that's my key, but I don't know if, like I said, I don't know how well that chemistry is yet. We'll find out on Saturday. We'll find out very quickly on Saturday, but he's the man I'm looking at right now. A, a key to the game for, in my opinion, for West Texas is find a way to slow this game down as slow as possible you can in arena style. I mean, like, go out there and just take three knees and let the clock. You can't do that. That's not, there's rules against that. Take a look but, at Fayetteville's playbook from two weeks prior. That's what you should be doing mm-hmm. all week. What 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 was good with Fayetteville's game that allowed them to get to slow them down to forty points and keep it to where if we don't turn the ball over, we could be talking about a different contest at correct. the very end. That's what you should be preaching all week when you look at game film. And how, also, how did they do it? And also, 
a key for them to slow down the game, hand the ball to Schwartz. That We've too. seen Schwartz take over games before as a running back. Well, establish that running. It's very. I know when people say, well, the running game, there's not a lot of running. Well, Zach Brown just had 65 yards last week of rushing. Trayvon Schwartz did it last year very yeah. effectively. So. Um, <laughs> to, let's say, give Daniel Smith more chance to re the defense. You have a running back that's very consistent, getting six yards or five yards. Like, and no matter what football you played in, the rule is if you get three yards per play, you win the play because you get three first downs, you're on, you know, three, six, three, six, nine, you're third and one on your third down, whatever. Well, that's what my coach said. You get three yards as a session. Sure, player. sure. Um, even though he doesn't know how to do math. Uh, he's like, let's go. It's fourth and one. Good job, coach. I wonder why we never won in the playoffs. Um, but still in arena, three yards is because you're going for on the fourth down anyways. Uh, most of the time you're going for fourth down arena. If, if one yard arena, you have a guy in shorts that can make that one yard. That will help Daniel Smith. But with the addition of Mitch Kidd, there's a question. Is the, is the, what they say, the, it's the collar, not collar. It is Coach Tate going to be fast on the switch? They get Mitch Kidd in there if something goes south quick. Because San Antonio is a type of team, um, what I've noticed over the last couple of weeks, they like to bait their opponents. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay, you, you guys buy 14. Oh, okay, okay, you guys buy 14. And they just bait their opponents into the dullness. And then they strike. And then they either win the game or well, a couple weeks ago, they you know, took away or pulled away from Fayetteville. They baited San Antonio, they baited Jacksonville, and they baited Carolina, and they baited Albany. Albany, they all, they all settled like, oh, this is going to be, we got the game. We're the better team. And then Arvell, Kyler Rashad, Phillip Barnett, everybody goes, okay, that's it. We gave you your chance, and they owned it. This game, if I'm San Antonio, Keys for San Antonio. Don't make shorts run on you. That would be the only way that West Texas stays in this game. And Arvell, I know you listen to the show. Most respect. Um, let's make it two games in a row without throwing the pick. Because if you don't do that, I think uh, San Antonio has the offense. Um, I think they can make more plays than West Texas. But the key for me, for San Antonio, is honestly, if they contain Childress and they contain shorts, they have a good advantage of winning this game and probably could win this game pretty handily. But it comes down to the front five for San Antonio, which they have been very good this year. They've dominated a lot of defense and offensive lines so far this year. West Texas has issues with that. Um, they had a little issue with that with Albany a couple weeks ago, and they had an issue with that against Jacksonville and definitely had it against Fayetteville. So that's still a question mark for West Texas. But if West Texas established the run and keep um, Daniel Smith on his feet, possibly throwing Mitch Kick to spark something. West Texas can stay in this game. West Texas needs to be in it. For them to win this game, this needs to be a one-score game halfway yes. through the third quarter. That, that is, I think, the most you can ask for. Yes. Um, to be seen, though, uh, without a doubt, we'll make our, pick, we'll make our picks here very shortly. But mm-hmm. um, obviously you can tell – um, and as you might understand, if you've watched any of the NAL this season, that is a bit of an uphill climb. But as like every other team in this league that is behind San Antonio, uh, they've been making upgrades too. So yeah. they'll get uh, 
I think a second crack with these new fancy, uh, shiny, I would say players to get a second chance. And I would say two weeks under their belt, under, under -hmm. professional practice and training, you know, shorts and Hollins came in basically with less than a week and played Albany last time. We'll give them some benefit of the doubt. And they added more talent around them. And they also added in depth at the quarterback position if they want to switch that too. So, and, and also, I know that this is cliche. We hear a lot in college and not really a lot in the NFL. Trap week, trap game. Mm-hmm. This is a trap game for San Antonio, period. Because who you have next week? Jacksonville. Yep. Don't look over West Texas for Jacksonville because good, even coaches, great coaches in the past, Bill Belichick and them, they've even said, you overlook someone, you don't want one loss to turn into two. You don't want to be 4-0 and then come next sa- uh, Sunday night, you're 4-2 because you dropped one in West Texas because you overlooked West Texas to get ready to Jacksonville, and then you unprepared for West Jacksonville or Jacksonville, West Jacksonville, holy crap. Uh, <laughs> uh, unprepared for Jacksonville because you suffer from the loss. Don't make it happen. Big-time trap game in, San Antonio, uh, in West Texas for the San Antonio Gunslingers. Yep. Big one. They're going to have to make sure that keep a level head and they are going to West Texas's house on the road. So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of keep things organized because around the corner is their first home game in uh, well over a month. So that is the reward you get for going through as it's been uh, quoted on uh, 94 one FM in San Antonio. The uh, ro- is basically uh, the road, tr- <laughs> the road warriors from hell. That's what he labeled it when he interviewed, uh, when they inter- when they were interviewing uh, Fred Shaw this pet most recently, so uh, very close to finishing that hell, basically that uh, hell trip, if you want to call it, not hell week because and other also, weeks. That and way. also to the fans of West Texas, tickets as low as five dollars. Go get tickets. Yeah, seriously, uh, party zone tickets for five bucks is like a stupid good deal in arena football. Uh, you should probably do it. Uh, because that's usually, yeah, it's an end zone seat, but it's also where you'll get a lot of the rowdiest crowds mm-hmm. a lot of times. Um, either that or on the side walls, of course, if you want to buy that on the dasher boards. But yes. look, uh, there's been good seats, good momentum, uh, a lot of good things that we've seen with, uh, you know, that ownership's been changing as of late too, uh, and making upgrades to new broadcast, by the way, something I should mention. Uh, they got a really good broadcast partnership, apparently, uh, with a, local uh high school broadcaster that has a lot of praise and this is a texas high school broadcaster so uh you kind of are expected to bring the best of the best when you are doing these games out there so um and this is not just coming from me these are locals that are out in north texas that have said as well this is a good partner so they're doing a lot of good stuff to upgrade the team's broadcast the team itself um should be a really good show this week, uh, and we'll definitely have a report on that broadcast quality as we have in the past uh, this coming week. So I am I'm very bullish on seeing what these on what these guys do uh, coming in with this new partnership. So stay one, tuned for that. One final question for you, Zach, and we'll move to the Clash of Champions coming up next. Um, over under, there will be hot dogs thrown at this game. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll say it's an over because if you're just saying the over under is like one. Then yeah, there's gonna be a hot dog thrown. Okay. And I mean, it's, do, it's we, the, do we know it's who the, the corporate would be? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we already know who the corporate is, but yeah. Oh, but yeah. Um, he's also Gunner. He's gonna do it. Yeah, he, he does wacky stuff all the time at these games that we've seen video footage of. He, he'll throw. He'll throw a hot dog. 
not at a player. He'll throw a hot dog into the stands. <laughs> but I mean, if he throws it, look, if he throws it at a player, he probably gets talked about and might get an ejection. So we're not going to ask him to do that. Touche, touche, touche. All right, moving on. And he, you said Clash of Champions, it's Clash of the Empires, my man. You, you oh. made these titles. My best. <laughs> Clash Albany, of Empires. Albany traveling to Jacksonville for the Clash of Empires this Saturday, going over there to the Vistar Memorial Coliseum. Uh, look, Empire, I know that all the polls, we got them at the bottom. However, as you have seen in the transaction wire, and as Tom Minas has said, since he has returned to the Empire, uh, this wasn't going to be a boring ordeal. He was going to be making upgrades left and right. Um, he has done plenty of that so far. Uh, even some of the players he signed that have been signed on from the last time they played two weeks ago aren't even on the roster anymore. Rowan Rivers is not here anymore. Jonathan Bain is here now. Uh, Fabian Guerra, I didn't see this one coming at all. Um, but he is now an Albany Empire member. Uh, if you if that name sounds anywhere familiar to you in the arena scene, he was one of the last Rookie of the Year winners for the AFL uh, and was a co-winner with Antoine Grant back in 2019. Uh, he's played in the Alliance American Football. He had he has had trips in Canada for several years, and now he's back in arena. And his 2019 campaign was very special. Uh, a great return man. Excellent receiver, shifty, speedy. Um, I expect a lot of good things with Jonathan Bain mm-hmm. for this part for this do for this kind of partnership up here. Not to mention you got Daquan Patton with a few weeks under his belt. And it sounds like Bain's been, according to local reporting, he's been a really good mentor to a lot of these young guys. So I'm expecting a lot of upgrades on that front. Um and then they also picked up Daniel Justino. So they fixed the kicking situation, I would say, or at least they picked up a kicker with very veteran presence in the NAL that is definitely an upgrade over Michael Hall uh, that will also give him a better shot at scoring on the special teams angle when they get touchdowns and do kickoffs. So a lot of big upgrades have happened. However, this is Jacksonville. Um, Remember they picked up Sam Castronova. They have also had a few weeks to get him down there and get comfortable with that receiving core. I think there'll be fireworks. I don't think you're going to have to worry about a team preparing in 72 hours with Albany. I think you're going to see more scoring, but how much scoring will we see? That, that's what I'm curious about because Jacksonville is uh, it, that's, that's no slouch. It, you very much know this, this is a good team. Sam Castronova, it, as the empire fans know, this is a good quarterback. Yes. <laughs> um, it's a unique battle where we have Jonathan Bain and the Albany Empire traveling to Jacksonville to take on Sam Castronova and the Jacksonville Sharks. For people who have watched NEL over the last couple of years, Bain is connected mostly to his time in Jacksonville and Sam with his time in Albany. It's kind of weird how we go to the Shark Tank and now Bain's in, in, in Albany and Sam is in Jacksonville. Uh, Bain and Sam are two individuals that we have great relationships with. Um, Sam, basically, we we broke the story about Sam going to Jacksonville. Uh, we broke the story about, well, hashtag Phil said it first, um, about Bain <laughs> going to Albany. Um, but these are two genuine guys, and you mentioned about how he's becoming a mentor up there for Albany, and it's true. 
Um, that's that's been Bane. Bane was like that in Carolina. Bane was like here in Jacksonville. He was like that with May Mammoth. Um, there's other receivers in this league, especially a, a certain single-digit receiver in Jacksonville that has high praise for Bane. Um, Bane is a type of quarterback that I think fits Manasseh's system right now for right now because it settles down the team. It calms everybody that you have that veteran presence and you have a caliber quarterback who at times last year or all the way up to probably week 16 last year was the front runner for the MVP until he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, that's until uh, DJ and Darius and Sam started, you know, make their claims for the title. Um, in other words, for Jacksonville, they lost Connor Blount, who was leading the leading all quarterback stats um, when he got hurt. And the, the 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 echoes and the the thing in Jacksonville that was really the questions like, who's Gibson going? Is is it Bell, a freshman, a rookie that comes in that Orlando game, and still throws seven touchdowns as a rookie who had never played down in the arena? Pretty impressive. He got more experience, but. There was a bigger fish out there to get, and that fish was Sam Castronover. What happened in San Antonio? Or what happened in Albany? Sam comes down here. And you forgot another individual there, Zach uh, Markel Quaid. Uh, Wade. I, I did also forget what I He's also returning back to the Wade. Shark Tank. Um, and and, I, and here's the thing: I I will admit that I mashed it into a very talented group of receivers and just so, kind of got lost in the shuffle on that. But so it's, yes, it, it, you, absolutely. And from the sources I've been to- talking to, the chemistry is still there. So you're going to see Wade a lot and Sam a lot. And also Sam has a receiver who could be compared to a certain number six down south is our number six, and that's Cam Solomon, who is having right now, who's with two weeks off, still leads the receivers for uh, – still leads in stats with touchdowns and receiving yards – for a wide receiver, and that's all. Now he has Sam coming in. Um, but one thing you look at this game, we see what happened a couple of weeks ago, how Manas got a team together in 72 hours and came down to the wire to for West Texas um, to win. My question was this. What happens if that was a Jacksonville team? Will that game have been down to one possession? I don't no. think it would have been. I think no Jacksonville would have been light years ahead at that time. Um, but that was a couple of weeks ago. Now they have Bain in. Now when you brought in the AFL Rookie of the Year from the Cleveland Gladiators in. And you got a guy like Kishon Young, that the, a, a young wide receiver that showed out. He was like the, the, you know, the go-to guy there for Albany for um, Roland Rivers. And mm-hmm. uh, Daquan Patton. They have a squad. And one thing about Manassas teams, the one thing that I've, well, the last couple of years, they've had, they've had squads. They had a good squad there just a couple of months ago and had a great squad last year who dominated this league and won championships. One thing about Manassas teams, and I know this because I know he's listening, he is one of the coach where he may not have the best roster, but you're definitely not going to outcoach him. He is prepared. He – has he he puts his players in situations that he knows will happen during games. So no matter what happens in the Shark Tank, no matter if it's seven thousand fans, ten thousand fans, Manas has his guys ready. And the thing is, and the caveat, it's like, oh, who does Jacksonville have? I don't know. The winningest coach in NAL right now, Jason Gibson, mm-hmm. who 
Same thing as two losses this year by a combined total of two points. So, and one thing that you're not yet, yeah, we did have an exposition game a couple couple day, weeks ago last week. Um, that didn't count. All, uh, Gibson's still trying to find his win his first game in the Shark Tank. So this game is going to be interesting because we're going to see two quarterbacks who are usually playing on the opposite side of the field. They're usually in this different benches. Um, and it's going to be interesting to me because I've built relationships with both organizations, both teams. And then for me as a Shark fan, I'm like, the Sharks better get this win. But at the same time, like, my boy Manas is over there. Like, I know, like, I have conversations. Like, me and Manas are buddies. We went from two individuals that used to bigger each other online to – Texting each other, calling each other, seeing everything, all the stuff going on up in Albany. So uh, we became BFFs. We became best friends. <laughs> um, oh, but no, um, how adorable. Oh, yes. That's <laughs> um, but no, seriously, uh, this game is going to be a type of game I think it's going to come down, in my opinion. Do I think Jacksonville has the potential of just blowing the doors out of this game? Yes, they do. They, they have that type of roster, and they have a quarterback that's been known to do that for of course the albany empire but the same thing is over on on albany's side they have a quarterback that's been there has done that has been in tight situations who has won big time games on the road against when his teams were not as good bain used to do that when he was with the the main mammoths he they had no business of going to jacksonville and being jacksonville he did he had no business going to carolina to be carolina he did like that's what bain is he's that type of competitor and that's the type of offense and the type of team, I think. And Daquan Patton and Kishon Young, that's two players that everyone in the league need to put eyes on those because in about three or four weeks, they will be the key, uh, the Kyle Rashads. They will be the Cam Solomons. They will be the Darius Princes of the NAL from Albany. Albany, yes, it's going through a hard time. And a very, very strange saying, reloaded. They have reloaded. It's just in time, let it sink. It's just like how Orlando, you're going to have to take a couple weeks to get gelling. And once they get gelling, they're going to be a team where we come in late June, early July go, I don't know if they can get to that six and six record. I don't want to be that one seed and have to play a very hot and on fire Albany team that may get themselves in that four spot. So that's why I see in Albany. And for Jacksonville, they've been off for two and a half weeks. Like, they're, they're just ready to hit somebody. I've talked to Justin Riffro, David Gilbert, Sam Castronova, the kicker, like Gibson over the last couple of weeks. They're just eager to get back on the field and hit somebody that's not their jersey. So it's going to be an entertaining game. From the people I've talked to, there's going to be about 8,000. I think it's teacher appreciation game a day. So there's going to be a lot of students in the crowd. So the Shark Tank's going to be packed. And, of course, the Clash of Empires. These are two pro, uh, franchises that have a combined total of six titles, two NAL, and, of course, the Covenant 2 AFL titles that they've had in their name as a franchise. So these are the prominent two franchises in this in this league because when, the, when people like to say rings do all the talking, they both have three rings, and they both have great history of winning. So intriguing game. I don't want to make the pick. And honestly, the storylines outside the field are just as intriguing as the storylines and the new storylines will be created inside the field. But, yes, this is going to be an awesome game. I'll be there live. Well, not really live. I'll be in the arena. Uh, uh, hopefully, I get my pass I've been asking for, and I'll definitely have some extra access for you guys here on the podcast. Come oh, Saturday I, have no, I have no doubt you'll get a pass. I, 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 I should. Would be, 
I, I think that's like a more more certain things I'd expect during a week. That arena so. should say Jim Mernier Arena. It shouldn't say Visar. It should be mine. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's not get that too. <laughs> let's not fill up your head like a balloon here. Me? No. <laughs> Slow down, kiddo. Nah. You know what? Take you just made the list. Oh, I made the list. Yes. How dare you? You ain't making you ain't making a list at Visar with, with that attitude. I don't have the money to buy arena name, but okay. <laughs> How much that uh, is that in pesos? Oh no, American. Pesos? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, I will mention that the other storyline in this game is that uh, Gibson is still looking for his first win against a Tom Manasa-led football team. Uh, that is been something that I know has been brought up on this show before so um, I can imagine that will not be talked about as much but I imagine post week depending on how that goes one of us will probably bring it up so uh, underlying story you know remember it's been uh, some fascinating battles over the years uh, between oh, yeah. these two's rosters and now probably the most intriguing of them all it feels like uh, it feels like some of the tide has, has flipped you know, you got more of the young up and coming roster over at Manassas section with a veteran quarterback, mind you. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Gibson has got the very loaded, very well stocked roster, <laughs> stocked roster this time around. But and that's still no young. Slight. Still he young. Some, he has some young, talented receivers. Yeah, still young, but very stocked. So Yes. Yeah, agreed. But yeah, keep an eye out, out for that. Finally, got the game of the week and we've been saving the best for last uh, in terms of matchups, in terms of in terms of I think stories and things we'll be discussing is Fayetteville and Greensboro, um, well Carolina, but you know the the two cities themselves will have their own teams take each other on in the Carolina Rumble as we have labeled it here on this show. Uh, however, before we dive into our discussion on that, you know we got to get into that interview. Look at that fancy graphic on the screen for those video viewers on there. Yeah, do it again. Take a look. Saturday, yes. 7 o'clock. It's Friday, Eastern 7 time. o'clock. It's tonight, oh, but yes. Damn it, I forgot that you you tricked me. Because that, the, the, way this, the way this works is that he put, he does make the graphics, so I should have thought about that. And I corrected him, too. And we that's, still went and still did it. I still said Saturday. Yes. So shame on me. I knew about it, and I still read the graphic like Ron Burgundy reading a cue card. <laughs> Illegal high motion on Zach. <laughs> you know he reads everything off those damn things. Yeah, who put a question mark in the teleprompter? <laughs> I'm Saturday. <laughs> Saturday. Yeah. It's Friday, seven o'clock. Yes. Again, that's the reason why we started the show early. Um, and we will. Ha- and as you can see in just a second, we are going to be having, of course, our interview. With- we should really start calling it the interview of the week for game of the week, kind of okay. as a tagline, but. The interview of the week this week, bringing you on uh, receiver DB himself, Trey Long, who has been playing an excellent year so far with Fayetteville, along with many of his cohorts over in Fayetteville that are many co- former Cobras as well, which makes this all the more of a unique contest. Uh, as well, you might hear, we kind of label it a Carolina reunion of sorts. Uh, take a listen to our conversation with him right now, and we'll catch you on the other side for other keys to the game. 
Welcome everybody into our latest interview here on the Inside the Walls podcast. Uh, as we've been talking, of course, in this episode leading in for NAL Game Day for Week Seven, uh, you may be you may be realizing we're hyping up this uh, Carolina Rumble, the bashing Carolina, whatever you want to call. It. There's multiple names for it this week that have been kind of thrown around. We're calling it the Carolina Rumble, but nonetheless. It's the two teams just down the road from each other, Fayetteville versus Greensboro. And today we're bringing on a uh, player that's gotten, uh, you know, he's gotten the, be the best of both worlds, I would say. And he's having one, one heck of a season for the Fayetteville Mustangs. It is wide receiver Trey Long joining us for the show as well. Trey, welcoming you aboard. Can, you know, hey, got to say again, you've been having a heck of a year so far. Uh, Fayetteville coming on in. Uh, we got to mention, I mean, for brand new expansion team, got a bunch of good vets and savvy vets on there, as you know. Uh, it's been a heck of a good start to the season, all things considered, for a brand new squad. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys for having me. Uh, yeah, man, we're doing doing better than the expected uh, polls, I guess. Uh, I know they expected us to be at the bottom where the unexpected team is right now, but we don't need to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean... Our coach is doing a pretty good job of just letting everybody be themselves and putting our players in the best position that they possibly can. So we've just been going off that. Yeah, I mean, what, how do you describe, I guess we'll lead in with this, how do you describe Coach Gunnings? You know, I, I know that he's been around the block. We knew coming into this season, uh, extremely a veteran coach in the scene. It's just that, you know, we were talking about, I think leading into the year, you know, it's a different level. It's still ran football, but now right. we're talking the NAL level, which is you know one of the premier levels in the entire nation. So right. how, how's he taking it? How's he been with you guys and just having that veteran group to work around? Oh man, I love coach guys. He was actually um, <clears throat> my rookie year playing arena in general in the AAL. He was uh, the defensive coordinator on the Carolina Havoc, and that's the team that I played for in 2019. Um, so I, I've been around, actually, all the coaches that we have. They were all my same coaches. So, uh, he, but Co yeah, Coach Gunn is a great guy, man. He's a uh, – he'll knock you in the head if you don't – if you don't uh, – <laughs> you don't bore what he's got going on. But one thing he does, he, he, lets, the, he lets the veterans kind of drop the boat. Like, uh, you know, so he does his coaching, but he's more like – so which, what do you guys think? What do you guys think we should do? What do you guys think we should do? Right, he's more yeah, that kind of type of coaching. That's the type of coach you need, especially in the situation we're in whenever we're a first-year team. Um, and you got vets, man. You got to let the, you got to let the vets drive, drive. It's the only way we're going to be able to, you know, be successful. Yeah, it sounds like sounds like a pro ball coach if I ever heard it, and a good one at that fact, you know. You got guys that they, I mean, especially you're talking about your roster and, you know, Jim, you can even reiterate this. I mean, beyond Kendrick Ings, Jim, I mean, Fayetteville's roster is stacked now at this point in the season with veteran guys that also tie into, as Trey brought up in the pre-show, a former Cobras guys as well, happy right, to have yeah. played there in that connection. Right, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of, lot of, lot of Car uh, Carolina vets, man. A lot of Carolina vets. Yeah. Well, it's unique because last year they were all together in Carolina and play for a championship. And when the ex expansion team came up, we're like, we want to know what Fayetteville was going to do. We didn't expect them to like, oh, let's go after every single, you could say almost every single weapon in Fayetteville, uh, <laughs> or excuse me, Carolina. We had Kendrick Ings, Trey, James Summers, 
where, where are we going to do? Recruit Zach Brown over here pretty soon? Probably to <laughs> DJ Myers available for recruit. Um, what was for you, Trey? It was it a just the coaches going after familiar faces in the area, or is it just regional, or is it if Kendrick Ng signed on, certain players will follow Kendrick? It's kind of a mixture of everything. Uh, so basically, I kind of seen. Um, so this is how, if you want to just hear my thought process. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Coach uh, Anson Yarbrough was my first head coach um, ever. So he was the office. He's the office coordinator here. So of course, he called me immediately. I, I'm going to Fayetteville. You want to come? I'm like, of course. I didn't sign right away, but I I gave him the the heads up, like. Because I was at the time I had gotten the XFL draft pool, so that was on my mind. I wasn't really worried about uh, yeah. playing in arena again. Yeah. So um, but so then so Anson was the first, obviously the first uh bullet for me. Like, okay, I'll go there. And then I actually seen Kato sign. And when I played Kato last year, I liked his style like as a quarterback. Even though we be even though he he talks to me all the time, like, oh, you got an interception on me and and, uh, you know, you guys beat us bad the first time. He, he reminds me all the time. But I like his style of play at quarterback. Like, he lets his receivers be the guys, you know, to make the play. So, I, that was another thing. I said, well, I, I'd love to play with him because he's going to always give me a chance. And, like, as you see in Orlando, he threw me a couple balls that were out of the pocket, and he just let me be myself. And, you know, I made him look good. So, that was the second thing. And then, obviously, the other parts, Ings, uh, I seen Ing sign, uh, James sign, uh, Jug Russell sign. I seen some names like that. I'm like, okay, the veterans are signed. Oh, Milt Williams too. I seen all them guys sign before I actually signed. So I was like, oh man, like this might be special. So I want to be a part of it. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, you talk, you're definitely talking up your quarterback. You know, for the mo- most part, it's been feeling like he's building upon last year with some of the flashes we've seen. We've talked enough on this show. You know, um, definitely an electric player um, for yourself. I mean, so obviously he's gotten better, I think, at pocket passing presence. But, you know, given the fact that he has such a range at where he can throw across his body. <laughs> that, it's a pod, pod, video podcast moment right here. I got to ask, <laughs> how, do you how, do you just stay ready for anything? Because like I said, he's got it's kind of amazing. Some of these throws he can make on the run. Uh, I don't know how he's able to throw across his body so accurately, but he does it a lot more than I think some QBs even would. And it, Man, it, this, it works this guy, somehow. This guy, this guy, Kato, so talented, and, and and he just he he breathes football. He's like football twenty four seven. Like he'll come over to we all have apartments. He'll come over to the apartment over here at one o'clock in the morning, waking me up like, hey, let's watch film on this. I'm trying to get some rest. Like he's. <laughs> He's straight. He's straight football, but I love him for that man. He's a, a excellent quarterback. He, his IQ was really what makes him the best. Like he doesn't have the strongest arm in the league or like the most accurate, but he's smart. So he he's like he's there before the defense is there, like all the time. And he's like that in practice. So he brings it in practice, and it like easily transfers to the game. For him. You watched Cato last year in Orlando. What's the difference? in your opinion, from him last year to him today? Off the line. Mm. That was quick. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> he has a way better off the line right now, so now you're getting to see the real him. You know, you're, you're – every – like the – there's certain positions that are all connected. Mm. You're, you're – as a receiver and a quarterback, you're only as good as their off the line. That's just football. If you don't have a good off the line, your quarterback won't be good and you won't be that good. Like, you can still be good as an individual – 
but you'll never be at your full potential if you're off the line. So I think that he's automatically more than what anybody's seen last year because his offensive line is better. And also for me, it seems like he has settled into position, settled down in the arena game because it seemed like last year he was too quick. He was, you have to have a quick mindset in this game, but he was going too fast. And right. he'll, he'll, there were some games that we watched last year with him in it where he'll thr- uh, force a ball and into a, a double coverage where if he would have waited two seconds, he would have had Prince Shinola wide open at the end of uh, in the end zone or or at that time it was um Brandon Fuentes too. Right. And Zach kind of like he mentioned something in one of our shows last year is like, you know, Caleb, just take dump downs, like settle down. And then the next game he went off. That was like his it felt <laughs> like it was his debut game, but situation oh, yeah, in yeah. Orlando yeah, he, and we didn't see him and now he re- reappears here and it looks right. like he is Taking the advice of Zach, even though I guarantee he just got you get the game just clicked. Um, oh yeah, seems like he's better prepared. <laughs> I take no credit for that. Year. I just think he's got it clicking better this year. Yeah, so. he did. No, man, I'll tell I'll tell y'all guys one thing about Cato. He's definitely listening. He listened to everything you guys said. Not even just y'all. Just anybody who <laughs> anybody who said something about him, mm-hmm. and he's gonna he's gonna let us know that he that he heard something about him that week, and that's the that week that you guys don't want to play him. Whoever. <laughs> well, the other team hey, I've been is. praising him, so I'm yeah. having the hit list. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, the week before we played Orlando, oh man, uh, the the Van Mill should get a new quarterback talk. Uh, they should have got Bane talk, and uh, they're not. Cato's uh, not going to win him a championship talk. Oh yes, you see what happened against Orlando. Here's the- <laughs> oh, yeah, we did see. <laughs> Me and Zach watching that game, we were yeah. like, "Wow, uh, Fayetteville has a squad." We knew they, we right. knew they were they were veteran led, but with Cato, how he came into the game, man, and you going off, Ings going off. I think Ings' first touch was a kick return for a touchdown. Kick return, yeah. And then yep. like it's like they have a squad, and right now you guys are currently two and two. You're in the mix, or my right. favorite, my saying, you're in the muck right now. Um, right. But you're in the mix of every every. You, you got two wins. Two dominant wins and two losses where it felt like the, in the second half the games got away from you in both games, right? Against right. San Antonio and against uh, Jackson. Honestly, honestly, in the fourth, the fourth quarter, both of those games, mm-hmm. both of those losses. Well, yeah. see, last game I was going to ask you because I I don't know what Gunning's message was against San Antonio, but I have a feeling that post game it was <laughs> if we cleaned up a bit of our sloppiness in the second half, we maybe walk away with that because that's what we were talking about. Was it? It felt like that was in range, at least oh. late third quarter. Oh, most definitely. We we lost that game. They know that. They said that, uh, like at the end of the game, because I know a few guys on their team, and they thought that they were gonna blow us out, and they were like, we really was, you know, afraid a little bit. Like at the at the time, fourth quarter was was close, as you guys see if you were watching. Um, but we just turned the ball over and. Uh, made a couple mistakes here and there, so we kind of, kind of hand walked him. That nah, he ain't gonna be here. We got plenty of right. He said he's, he said he, he said he ain't gonna be here in time. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, hit the chat up and see if somebody's still here. Uh, what was I about to say? Yeah, so when we got to the fourth and we started making mistakes. We already knew because type team San Antonio is that it was probably pretty much, pretty much gonna be hard for us to come back because um, they got a high, high powered offense like we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we knew that we didn't make those mistakes that we walk away with the game. 
right i mean you got it's funny you guys are also looking for your first first home home oh, too. Yeah. i mean right <laughs> that's the other one you've been road warriors so far um and i guess we'll now dive a little deeper in we we hinted you know a lot of former or former carolina cobras guys coming to, that are playing with you guys and you all in fayetteville you're going right. to be basically revisiting with a lot of uh previous teammates this coming right. weekend uh a lot of guys that you were playing side by side with last year in a you know set runner-up okay. campaign and a very okay. good season yeah so yeah uh, i mean how, how's I, that I, gonna... I, yeah i'll say i love them guys over there uh you know adam smith uh lance uh zb uh you know mike green was my actual de defensive back coach last year um okay yeah so shout out to mike green man for giving me to give me the knowledge in, in, in the the but we're just mostly the knowledge and everything about the game on the defensive side because did, did he not pass over to you the lotus kick because i mean he's been oh, showing that listen, off. listen i got something for y'all tomorrow if i get intercepted just know that <laughs> oh man I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make sure i piss him off just know that. <laughs> But no, that's, that's my awesome. guy, man. I, lo I love Mike Green to death. Because that's all we were thinking. It's like, where has this been? We got, yeah. got so many instances of it. it yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I got I something mean, for you. Just, just, just remember, I said I got something for you. Y'all, y'all, to the laugh. But I mean, that's that's what makes this. It makes it so much more intriguing because like it's the starting of hopefully a new, you know, a new staple game <clears> series. You got kicking off with the Mustangs for those two teams, but. Right the intrigue of being the fact that it's all these other Carolina players or former Carolina players going at one game. It's like a big, right. uh, it's like a big, uh, now it's like Family a five year reunion, reunion almost. Yeah. <laughs> right, man. I think it's uh, hold on. So it's Tevin, me, Ings, James, Jug, Tevin, Herb. That's what's that? Six or seven, uh, cook. So it's a, off the top of my head, is at least like seven or eight of us uh, that mm -hmm. were former covers at one time. So, I mean, I get everybody. I know everybody is feeling how I'm feeling. Who used to be a cover, you know? or just how anybody would feel when they play their own team in general. You know? Right. <laughs> <clears throat> so, I'm ready. I'm definitely ready to play, man. Right, definitely. Twilight Zone out there. <laughs> Deja vu. Was like, wait a minute. It was like. I know these people. I've been here right. before. Um, Trey, uh, this is supposed – they're trying to build this game up to be like a Carolina Rumble, the Battle of the Carolinas. The right. distance between Greensboro and Fayetteville probably is what, an hour? Like an hour and a half. Like an hour and a half. Yeah. So you can you can tell it would be yeah. – uh, it's a good starting point. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. Definitely the shortest road trip in the NAL, or I, don't, I think Jacksonville, Carolina, maybe Jacksonville and – Orlando might be in that same distance, but um, looking for your first win against a lot of former friends. How odd is it going to be to play against them, seeing they already know your tendencies because they're basically you guys from last year, and you right. know their tendencies. How is this game ah. going to go, in your opinion? Hopefully, in your opinion, you said the favorite was going to win. But how is the execution right. going to work, seeing that they know who you are? Uh... That's a good question. And honestly, an honest answer is I think this game might be the hardest for both teams just because all the players, including and then Anson, we're very familiar with what Coach Fuller likes to do. Mm -hmm. uh, 
stressing on offense. And then uh, Connor got an idea where he liked to do on defense. But even if he's not the guy who's imp- implementing everything on defense, I know what Mike Green thinks a lot because he taught me he taught me damn near everything he knows. So sure. when it comes to when it comes to like you know coverages and who's running the high motions, I, I know what he likes to run uh, for the most part. So, but they had a good, 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 great veteran group of the uh, defensive backs. Um, so yeah, I mean, it should be a, it should be a good one, man. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think it either. I mean, I feel like we're going to win, but I, uh, I feel like it'll be a cl- pretty close game, though. Oh yeah, I, I mean, we're all we're all expecting it. I mean, it's definitely the game of the week this week. Should be should be a blast. Um, you know, I know you're we're gonna. I know you're pressing while we're talking. You know, you still got to focus on your own role, so. You're about to head out soon to go and do a team meeting, probably to yeah. help get ready for this week. But yeah, um, a little walkthrough. <laughs> fun, fun little. It's it's funny. It's uh, the news this this season for the league has been all over the place, and I think I'd love to hear this from a player just because it has been a bit of a buzz. Um, apparently, Antonio Brown's going to be playing very soon. Um, right. Thoughts on getting to play now? A team owner <laughs> out on a field. Oh man, I, I mean, I love AB. I love AB in the NFL. Like, he was one of my always one of my favorite receivers. Um, just just watching how he dominated the game. Uh, I just pray that they don't put him on defense because <laughs> that's not what he's he's he's, he's not going to want to see number one uh, with a Mustangs uh, jersey on. He's not going to want to see that. So, <laughs> so uh, I just pray that don't put him on defense, man. But I, I, it'd be a great experience playing against AB. Gonna feel like I'm in the NFL for a second, you know. But uh, <laughs> I guess we'll see when we get there next week. If he actually suits up soon enough, hey, got some film to study. Maybe right. a little NFL tape. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I don't watch enough of Antonio uh, Brown. I got a little more I can watch. I know I can. Pretty soon we might be seeing Trey Long on the Carrie Underwood's Sunday Night Football theme for because oh, because how you know, Antonio Brown was on every single one of those things. <laughs> so, oh, is that Trey now? What, right. what happened here? Right. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah. Trey, we'll we'll let you get on down the line. Um, thanks for stopping by for a quick sesh. Uh, wishing you the best this week, this Friday coming up here at. The Crown Coliseum should be a blast for those coming out to watch the game. You know, and hey, if you're, you know, while we're talking out here, I mean, you know, Pre- Cobras fans or or Mustangs, I mean, you're going to be in for a win-win. And it's just down the road for a lot of guys that are the diehards out there in Greensboro. Right. You know, great way to start your weekend. Right. Yeah. And I, and I love the Cobras fans, man. They they came to uh, I think a lot, uh, a handful of them came to the last home game just to show love to oh, nice. me and and James. Yeah, so I love the fans, man. I still love the fans to this day. Um, so I appreciate everybody. I appreciate you guys for having me. All right. In three, two, one. Hey, thanks again to Trey Long for joining us on the edition of the show. Obviously, you can tell um, Coach Gunnings keeps a busy schedule, so <laughs> had to jump in and uh, you know do his thing, get going on to a meeting at the time. We we'd run into that. That happens. Mm-hmm. But you know these guys, they got busy lives. You know a lot of these arena players, they got the football on the side, they got other occupations on the side. You know it's not any it's not easy being an arena football player, but it is certainly rewarding to get to play the game that you do love. And as you can tell, got to get ready because shorter shorter week of scheduling. Luckily, they both these teams got. 
got at least a little bit of time. Carolina, a little less. So, uh, got to factor that in, but it's only an hour and a half drive, no flights, no, no crazy road trips. So they're at least getting a little more time. They don't have to worry about rushing and getting out and about faster, but, uh, Jim, key, keys to the game here. Obviously, Carolina comes in off of an impressive win last week, um, running the ball up and down the turf, uh, great defensive presence against the Orlando Predators, and Fayetteville's coming off two weeks from, two weeks previous of having their best defensive effort of the season, but as you and I talked with Trey, couldn't get out of their own way. Now they just got to put a four-quarter performance together against one of these top-tier opponents and Carolina is their next bet. So far, the top three, in terms of the top three standings in the league, Fayetteville has not been able to capitalize against Jacksonville or San Antonio. Carolina is their next shot, and that's the first of a few matchups just down the street. It's called a Carolina Rumble. It's also, you can call it the Carolina Series, Rumble Series, because this is first of three matchups. Um, my keys to the game for this game is, like we mentioned to Trey, it's like facing each other. Like they know every tendency that you guys going to have and you do for them because you were together last year in Carolina for the Cobras. This is an intriguing matchup for me. It comes down honestly to the two quarterbacks who I think have matured a lot in this game. That's between Malik Henry and Cato. One thing about Cato is that he has become faster decision-making but he's quicker. He's not as he, he slowed down his uh, his reaction. What I mean is what I've talked we talked about in an interview with Trey is that last year in Orlando he'll make that fast decision. He'll throw the ball, and most of the time it was not the right decision. Now he has that fast reaction. He you know breaks down the play, then he executes a good throw. Cato's having a hell of a year. He had a he had a bad second half against San Antonio a couple weeks ago but he's having a hell of a season. Malik mm-hmm. Henry had a couple of blimps last week against Orlando, but when he needed to make the play for his team to win, he was there. So he's learned there. That is going to be a key matchup. Also, the key matchup is, honestly, I'm going to just say it's the brothers versus brothers. You got Lance Evans, Adam Smith, James Summers, Trey Long, Kendra Gings. You have the whole receiving core from last year going after each other as the line's been, you know, divided. I don't know where the highway is separating the two cities, but that's the high, That's the line that separates them. Now you got the three guys over there in, uh, on the, on the, in Carolina with Lance Evans, Adam Smith, and then you have Trey Long, Kendrick Gings, even Tevin Homer. You know, they have Mike Green. You have so many guys who know each other's tendencies, from the DBs to the receivers. That's going to be the other key to game. It's, the, co- the former Cobras and the current Cobras in this battle. And that's what's going to be. That's one thing I love. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, what you've heard many years ago from various people, a rivalry is not born by someone creating it. Something happens to create that rivalry. And sometimes having people who are familiar with each other could spark that. So that's going to be an intriguing matchup on itself is the familiarity of both squads because they know each other's tendencies. And that's going to be an awesome chess match to watch tonight, 7 o'clock on YouTube. 
So yeah, it's gonna be a trip. Yeah, same day. It's still kind of funny as we're recording that. It's yes. gonna be the same day we drop it. So yeah, if you are fresh off of the uh, viewing, mark that down. If you missed it, sorry. Well, hey, maybe you can have a good laugh post game if what you think we hear here. But I, I mean, really, it does. It is a one factor is that you do have a bunch of players. That I think you know, are from last, you have several that are from last year's roster in particular. Uh Yes, there are several that are from previous year's iterations. That's more of a fun story, but you have several that were playing under James Fuller and Josh Resignalo last year, and you will kind of get to share some stuff. I know that one thing with offense, as we've been told, you know, it is arena. It's a little more limited on formations and items, but you still can kind of key in on a few things if you are paying attention. Um, and really, Fayetteville, I think you got to take most of your film from San Antonio and say, hey, look, we had our best defensive effort of the season against what has been the best, arguably the best, or one of the top two offenses in the NAL this season. You could say the Sharks are the best offense, too. That's a good, valid argument, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, San Antonio has been right in the thick of it in terms of scoring in bunches and droves. They were in it for three and three and a half quarters or three and a half quarters, essentially. And you just got to take that film, put together what you know is a really talented offense with capable receiving options. And the sky's the limit, I think, for this for this game. Clearly, Carolina, they have, I think, in terms of an organization, in terms of a team that is built around a scheme, um, James Fuller's done that. That is exactly what they have. They retooled in a few places or they took guys that maybe didn't have as much opportunity last year and they have excelled because they've gotten more opportunity. You bring up Av Smith all the time. And that's a guy that has more opportunity this year because of the fact you don't have an Ings or DJ Myers that are getting targets. Now he gets more targets, you know, along with Summers. Um, you know, Mike Green on the other side, he came out and had his big week. Kenny Veal, can't say enough. He has been an excellent talent, not only in defensive side, but he has been great at as a return man for mm-hmm. the Cobras. Special teams has been a fantastic aspect for Carolina that I think they – you could say right now they have the best overall special teams unit in the National Arena League right now between Veal's returnability and the fact that T.C. Stevens has been arguably the best kicker so far this season. Uh, that is, other kickers are catching up, but he's been the most consistent so far this year in terms of what he is as a deadly weapon on the other side of the turf. So, you know, that cannot be understated. Fayetteville, um, I think it's all about putting it all your best attributes together against a top tier opponent in your own house too. They haven't won at home, you know, and it is looking like because Carolina's down the road, you know, and I know crowds have been, have been slowly building up. We've talked about this in a previous show with, you know, commissioner Siegfried, but this does look like it's going to be their largest crowd of the season. Given the fact you're going to have Cobras fans that are diehards just down the way that will travel out on a Friday night. So, you know, this is their chance to come out and get a win in front of the home crowd. They also just got massive news. They got upgrade, essentially a massive upgrade to their ownership group this week um, that we'll talk more in full length once we get a little more details. It's, I don't want to talk too much yet because we still want to ask a few things, but that news came out. So there's good things right now. You know, it'd be a great way to finish your week, get a win in front of your home crowd for the first time in your history. And that's what a better way to do it then against your what is hoping to be an in-state rival or in-state opponent that you will be uh, nipping at the at the butt to win against in Carolina. That's honestly 
for you. I was just looking up some stats because I'm a stats freak. Do you know how competitive this game is going to be between the receiving score? It's pretty tight. Six, six of the top 15 receivers in the National Arena League are going to be playing in this game. Yeah, should be pretty tight. That's that's incredible. That just tells you how talented these two offenses are. Um, and also, you know, we can't we can't talk about a Carolina team without talking about the weapon. We have to talk about TC Stevens. Like he last week kicking deuces. Orlando wasn't. Maya, very consistent, maybe one of the most accurate kickers in our league. He doesn't miss extra points. He He's actually getting to did, the net. He did get this a deuce one last cool. week or two. Yeah, his, I was gonna say last game he actually hit a deuce, so he's starting to get it, yeah. which is that's great progress because ex, you're, like you're talking extra points. He's pretty automatic from from extra point range. He just yeah. doesn't hasn't had the leg until last time he played. And one thing that I've said and I've heard other coaches say, coaches certain coaches use kickers just for possession wise to get field goals. Some coaches use them as weapons. And the coaches that use their kickers as weapons are the kickers that are deuce machines and pretty accurate. And this matchup, how I think it's going to be a very competitive matchup between these two teams, the special teams is going to be crucial. Will TC or Maya be the one that kicks that crucial deuce that pivotal wins the game or gives you that extra possession in a game? Because if a kicker is getting some deuces, you can get a, a you can steal a possession just by those deuces because you can get up to six, eight, the amount of deuces he makes in a row. So I think that's going to be a key component in this game as well. Also, it's in Fayetteville. Also, yeah. they have a dance team. It's also a, I think, parent appreciation education night. It is. Um, that's going to be there. So I guarantee there's going to be some students there, similar to what's going on in Jacksonville. Uh, so I feel the energies Friday night. In Fayetteville, come on, Fayetteville. If you're watching this, what else is there to do in Friday night? What, what's there? Bojangles, churches? What what's there to do in Fayetteville? Be in the Crown Coliseum. I know I just took a shot at probably one of the best chicken restaurants in the nation. Could be a future sponsor. Hopefully. Maybe. I don't know. Anyways. Um, but Faye, get to the Crown Coliseum. Tickets are available cheap. These are two good teams. Carolina is on, you know, they're they're showing like they're the Carolina of old. Fayetteville has a squad. You have a great team, especially with Trey Young, how open he was and discussion of what the team is and the, and the familiarity between these two organizations. It's going to be a ticket. Go get your tickets now. Uh, go to visit nationalarenaleague.com. Click on the Fayetteville and send you the tickets. Beautiful arena, and a beautiful arena needs people in it like you, the people of North Carolina. Create this rivalry or something. It'd be interesting to have a – Hour and thirty—I don't know how many miles that. Hour thirty mile, hour thirty minutes away was that about one hundred and six miles, maybe sixty miles. Anyways, Carolina fans, Fayetteville, tell me what the distance is. I'm too—I'm not going to look it up on Google. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not great at those quick calculations. No. I don't know the highways around North Carolina, so no, me either. <laughs> I'm, I'm lost. I but am hour lost. And a half, hour and a half drives super easy though. Like that's what like compared yeah. to some of the other ones. It, like that's so. That is such an easy road trip for a diehard fan to take, and Fayetteville. I think Fayetteville is as well. Like later on, you keep you keep growing the fan base and getting a little more outreach. You know, there are some diehard Mustangs fans we've seen on Facebook and in our own in our own uh, DMs or replies. You know, I want to say that too. You know, when you guys go to Carolina later this year, go check that out because I mean, 
you know, that atmosphere, which I will say this, there's been a lot of people this year that have been praising Carolina for a great game experience, not only as like for, you know, a good team, but like people that have been praising the professionalism of the staff at these games this year. That's what's been sticking out to me. And it's not just like one, I've seen like at least three to four people on separate occasions go, I've been blown away at how well Carolina and their staff have run things this year in terms of game day experiences. It's been, it's been superb. Like this, it's great things to hear, you know, cause that brings fans back. And not only does it bring bands back, it's good word of mouth. You grow the fan base as well, which, you know, we've been seeing the Cobras have been getting some big crowds this season. It's actually, that's kind of an under, under talked about story is that their crowd sizes have been growing really good compared to recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, that's on the upward trend. That's really good for an organization to talk about and to kind of grow um, not only community engagement, but also sponsorship opportunities. You say you're getting more people in the arena, you know? So I just thought it'd be a good time to bring it up, but you know, Mustangs fans can go and enjoy a game at a, a facility that is a world-class facility, by the way, in terms of the Greensboro Coliseum, but they also are going to go to a game that you're going to get treated well as well from what people have been bringing up. So it's a massive win, win, win. The third being you get to watch your favorite team play just up the road. Friday, though, you get to watch them at home. Folks in Carolina, if you haven't bought your tickets and you're on the fence for tonight, screw it. Grab your family. Go take a trip. If you're hearing us right now. If not, no. do it next time. <laughs> if you us right now, it's, I think, 11, 20, 11, 30, so you have time. Um, but we're going to wrap up the show, ladies and gentlemen, with our famous Pick'ems. So, yay, Pick'ems. Yeah. Last week, I was 1-0, and Zach was 0-1. Season overall, we're eight and five, just above average, but we're tied. Tie ball game. Tie ball game. So we're zero and zero again. Um, but anyways, <laughs> if if your fans out, if you if you're on a, if you're going, hey, let's speak English, Jim. Here we go. Any fans out there, join our Discord. We do do a pick them. You're more welcome to join. Uh, it's just fun, interactive. The link is in our description. Uh, you're kind of far behind the pack, but at least you come interact with us. And you'll see how a lot of our fans on our Discord page are either very accurate or nowhere near good at predicting football games. But, yes. Um, but <laughs> overall, uh, Zach, you take over. Who you got in the first matchup in the Carolina Rumble? Nope, excuse me. The West Texas. The Battle for Sam. Texas, Battle my good Texas. man. I got so many <laughs> names for this. The Battle of Texas, yes. Battle, the Battle of Texas over in West, over in Odessa, Texas, which is Northwest Texas, by the way. Uh, going to the Ector Coliseum, County Coliseum. Uh, gunslingers are traveling up there, bringing fans in their own separate bus up there, too. Should be a bit rowdier of a game as well. And again, affordable tickets, $5. You can go at the fan, for a fan zone ticket. That's nothing. I mean, seriously. 20 bucks, you can get a whole family of four in, and then you have money to spare to do everything else in the arena. Go and have a good time out there if you're out there in West Texas and listening in. Uh, do I think that the do I think that the West Texas Warbirds have improved in two weeks to take on what has been ranked consistently and has been talked about consistently on this program as the best team in the NAL right now? Uh, no, but I will say it's going to be a competitive game. So give me the gunslingers, but it will be 
much more of a watchable game than you think. I ain't anticipating a 50, a 50 to 18 contest like they did against Fayetteville a few weeks back. I think that you are going to see it come down to some sort of decisive drive or two late in the third quarter. It feels like that's how it's been lately for the gunslingers is that it does come down to the back end of the second half where talent and I would say good coaching inevitably wins out. So I think you're going to see a game like that. Uh, Coach Smith Tate Smith, that is, has upgraded that roster very well. But the Gunslingers are more talented, and I think that the Warbirds need to work on a few more things still. But, yeah, I I got the boys from San Antonio taking the W on their final leg of their massive road trip uh, this coming Saturday. As a local reporter slash radio host would say, the road warriors from hell. But... It is going to be an exciting game in West Texas. West Texas will fight in this game. Grady, Childress, Shorts, Starks, Daniel Smith, Hollins. The boys of West Texas will be ready. This will be a dog fight matchup of all matchups. San Antonio thought two weeks ago when Jacksonville was, you know, a little close to the hair. A couple of weeks ago, against Albany was a little close, but in the Eckert Coliseum in West Texas, the West Texas Warbirds will go into their building, wire to wire, come down to the very last possession. And a turf over happened in the San Antonio Gunstickers ball oh, you're, you're going to like final possession on this. That's, that's even, I mean, I'll, I'll admit, I think that they can tough it out, but that, that's, I think, uh, really making a statement if it has to come down to the, like, the final final whistle. In our podcast, listeners, I, I picked San Antonio. My bad. Uh, I just put I just put the logo. I forgot to say San Antonio. My bad. <laughs> I, picked, I think this game, I think West Texas is approving with the additions from Albany. I think this would be a very, a very good competitive game. I think that even though two weeks ago was a, there was a different situation happening in Albany at that time. I think because of the week and a half of shorts and being shorts being the jack and you know Holland's coming in and you know help beef up that uh, front five, I think this will help West Texas in the long run. They're going to be more competitive in this game than we've seen previously. Um, I just think the Road Warriors from Hell, as ninety four point one San Antonio would say, I think they will still live up to their reputation where. They like to be the cardiac guns, oh, bun slingers. We got to say bun slingers. Bun slingers. Uh, this bun slingers. Week, yes. um, they're going to be the cardiac bun slingers, but I still think there's going to be a crucial turnover at the end of the game, possibly the last drive or the second last drive, where West Texas needs to make that play to make it. I think they just don't get it. I think this is going to be an exciting game. I do think this is coming down the wire. And again, there will be a moment in this game that will create a rivalry. And that's why I think San Antonio wins this game because there's going to be something there that causes it um, because we need more rivals in this sport. Um, just instead of us creating names for each one. Yeah. <laughs> more fun moments. I'm always up for that. Give me yes. that every week in the national league. Really. It's been, it's been a good season too anyway. So, um, Hey, like I said, anyone, any given Friday, any given Saturday, Sunday, you name it, there's always a chance. So you never know. Any given weekend. 
any given weekend, my friend. It's the all sequel right. to Any Given Sunday. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Now we got the Clash of Empires. Albany Empire, two weeks off of a heartbreaking loss over in the MVP arena. Uh, much different looking unit after two weeks are traveling down to the North Florida area. I know that was lame. I was trying to say North Florida and I snuck area in there, but they are going to Jacksonville to Vice Star Memorial Coliseum playing the Sharks, the Manas Gibson rivalry, another leg in the chapter, one that I didn't think, or we didn't think might exist after earlier news reporting and decisions from in the previous year. But here we are. We get this matchup again, just in the nick of time. The Empire going to the Sharks. Ah, do I do I like this new group? Oh yes, I like what Albany's bringing now. Jonathan Bain. He's gotten multiple weeks. He has had time, of course, to uh, warm himself up for the season. He was over in the IFL for a spell, so this isn't a rusty Jonathan Bain. This is one that should be attuned and ready to go to play. Uh, they do have Ben Bennett. So that is your OC. Great to have a veteran QB to work alongside a guy that is an offensive-minded coach in Ben Bennett. And you also have Fabian Guerra. You've got Daquan Patton, who's had his best performance of his career so far. You know, Sean Young, obviously showing off some signs of a young talent all going there. And a scrappy defensive unit that, though I would say doesn't have the same star power, can, I think, hold its own in situations. I don't think they hold their own against the Sharks, though. This is a loaded roster, people. I do not think with this still, I think, building new Albany Empire that they go in and upset them in Star Memorial in the Shark Tank. I, I just don't see it. Uh, the crowd looks like it's going to be massive for this game, uh, for sure. Um, and I, I see you with a nice job. Little little nod. Great yeah. job. Moment, moment, moment for YouTube viewers out there everywhere. <laughs> Give me Jacksonville. There's going to be some blood in the water, and it's going to be a little bit of a feeding frenzy. It'll be a fun game. I'm not, I'm not calling a blowout, but I think you are going to get the Sharks getting a win, setting themselves back above 500 once more. We lost. Wait a I'm not supposed to lose. Let me see the script. I thought I was yes. sticking to the script. <laughs> well, uh, well, I'm sticking in the script. Manas is a coach that you're going to have a hard time out coaching him. He's very prepared. He has Bain, who's a top of the line quarterback, MVP caliber player. But again, gelling is the key. Chemistry is the key of any sport. Do I see Albany coming in and beating the Sharks? Maybe. Do I see the Sharks dominating the Empire? Possibly. What are the keys to this game? Well, Different players are on different teams, and then they need to be build chemistry. But when you look at both rosters, one roster has been together for several weeks. The other one has been assembled within the last week and a half, and it's constantly changing parts. This is in the venue down in Jacksonville that this game is being played at in Northeast Florida by Star Veterans Memorial Arena. Well, the one thing I like about this game is that the game is titled The Clash of Empires. These two franchises are two fan bases that know how to win. They have been basically brought into two winning organizations. Both these groups do not like to lose at all. But checking the script, I look at the script and I clearly see a game where it could either go two different ways. It could be a dogfight. Or it can be, in the words of Zach, 
a bloodbath. But speaking of the script, the script shows to me that the prophecy was fulfilled with the arrival of the Nova, and that prophecy will continue for Jacksonville in this one. A lot of questions in Albany. It's going to be a hell of a game, but my pick is... Jackson Sharks. Sorry. I'm not going to play the whole hype video, but still. Uh, I got the Jack. Nope. I'm clicking on random buttons. Where'd the dang thing? There we go. Oh, Never mind. On, technology you favorites. It's you technology. I hate stream art sometimes. I'm picking a Jacksonville Shark, so continue, Zach. I got you'll, you'll get it. You'll get you'll get it put up there and just momentarily for those YouTube viewers out there. Uh, finally, though, as he's getting that sorted out, we do we have the game of the week. Hey, there it is. But now, 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 the game of the week, ladies and gentlemen, the Carolina Rumble, as we are labeling it. Carolina Cobras traveling down the road, fresh off a nice decisive win over the Orlando Predators. They will be taking on their buddies in the state in Fayetteville, the new Mustangs in town, as they'll be traveling to the Crown Coliseum. Mustangs are looking for their first win at home this year, and are also looking for their first win against, uh, well, at least in the standings, a top three opponent this year. Uh, it's been pretty good sailing. Fayetteville is a very competitive team. They are definitely one of the better teams in the muck category now, but are they having a chance this week to get themselves to be part of that conversation in the top other three teams? That's what I think we're all asking is that, can they put a four quarter game together at home and get one against their in-state rival? Can Rakeem Cato rebound from what has been, what was his ugliest performance two weeks ago? Can this defense repeat its defensive efforts from two weeks prior against the Cobras. Do the Cobras continue their upward momentum and do they push the tides of the Mustangs away? I say, yes, indeed. I could put a John Panette joke in there if I had flipped this around and done the nay nay thing, if you know what I'm talking about, but I gotta go with James Fuller's unit over in Carolina. It is a big reunion of Cobras players in Fayetteville. Without a doubt, it's going to be a fun story seeing all these former Cobras take on current Cobras players and former teammates from just last season, mind you, that are going to be taking each other on in battles. I mean, hey, look, Trey Long is going to be taking on guys like James Summers or Kendrick Kings on the other side, <laughs> or, or sorry, James Summers or Adam Smith. Kendrick Ings is going to be taking on guys like a James Summers on the opposite side. Fun, fascinating aspect that is all thanks to Ironman football. But I got to go with the I got to go with the Cobras here. I think that you have a bit more of a solidified roster. Again, their only loss was two points with a different quarterback against the best team in the league in the Gunslingers in San Antonio. They have been showing week in week out since then that they are decisive number two right now. I got to take this win and we'll use it as like I did last week in the USFL podcast with another team I was talking about. Prove it to me. You can Fayetteville that you can beat Carolina. That's what I'm going to be saying because right now separation between a great team and a good team is you guys stepping up and playing four quarters against the best, one of the best of the best. I don't think they do it, but I digress. Give me the Cobras. Wow. <laughs> uh, I can't, retort what you just said you basically have the same sentiment as me this is a game where we have two franchises that know each other like the back of their hand they know each other's tendencies they played with each other 
and they've gone to war with each other. Now they're going against each other. The matchups are clear. Lance Evans, Adam Smith taking on Trey Long, Kendrick Gings, Cato versus Malik Henry. But one of the key factors in this game is Tevin Homer versus Mike Green, DBs. Or is it the bat or is it the running backs? Is the one man band Zach Brown going to perform like he did last week and will the Carolina Cobras to victory? Or will it come down to the kicking game between Maya and TC Stevens? The game will be decided by the front five, like we seen a couple weeks ago in San Antonio, like we saw a couple weeks ago in Jacksonville. One line started to fold. Does that continue? Jack Jacksonville showed a little weakness against them. San Antonio showed a little weakness against them. But one thing I've noticed so far this season is Carolina's strength is their front five. And it's led by the one-man band, Zach Brown and, and Ziggler, down in the, in the muck that is called the line of scrimmage. Does Carolina go down to Fayetteville and solidify that this is their state Sorry, Fayetteville, you're new, but this is their state. Does Fayetteville pull off the win? Does Cato have Cato-like performance like he did against West Texas, like he did against Orlando, and will Fayetteville to a victory? This is their third home game, and Fayetteville's looking for their first win in the Crown Coliseum. Will this game be it? Will it be it? Well... I believe it might be. I think it could be. It's going to be exciting. But I'll let a certain Hollywood actor make my pick. Indiana Jones, Caroline Cobras find a way to go four and one and toy with some first place votes in next week's media poll as they take care of business at the Crown Coliseum and approve the four and one on the season. And that has been your feature presentation. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Nice stuff. Mm-hmm. So, as you can tell, uh, Queen's clean sweep. All, we're both on the same page. So, uh, you know, if we go down, we go down together. If we uh, succeed, oh, we are yes. both we are both tied hand in hand. We're either Elon choice. Musk. We're shooting off to space in a nice rocket, or we're Titanic and we're just looking at the iceberg. I'm like, yeah, we're going to hit it. Yep, yeah, we're well, now we're on the freaking boat holding on to a door to the moon. We go. Yeah. <laughs> it can either Soon be to enough. the moon or to the Marion Trench. <laughs> Two opposite we directions. Good, we got good. I think we got good odds to have double-digit wins in our columns after this week. But again, hey, teams, they're always welcome to upset us and then diss us online because we got the picks wrong. I am always prepared for something and like that situation. 
trust me, we know. I have conversations with players before where certain messages on this show were motivations for them in certain games. So we know that you guys listen. So to the three teams that we picked against, we will eat happily eat crow on rebound next week if you guys pull off upsets. Um, and, of course, from one of my colleagues, if you do beat my team, um, yes, you, you, you'll be talking to me anyway on the field after the game anyways, coach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yes. Nice. But, and I'm talking about Manas, by the way. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's, it's, I'm, it's nice that we finally got a three-game slate. On, on, sorry for the extended show. It's a little longer than usual. Three games slate today, this week. Last week was one. Two weeks ago was two. Two weeks after that was two. So we finally back to three. Um, but yes, thank you to Trey Long. Action begins tonight, 7 o'clock on YouTube. Join our Discord. Join the family. We usually have a live chat during the game. Um, so you can come uh, join us and talk football while we're watching football. And to all my brethren who are in Jacksonville, see you Saturday night in the Shark Tank. Um, so, yeah, um, I think it's time for us to end episode 103. Again, thank you for the follows. Thank you for the uh, support. Really appreciate it. And thank you for the people who are following us on Twitter. Like, we're getting, like, five new additions in our Twitter account every single day, same as our Facebook page. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Remember, we do this because we love the game. We do this because the athletes on those on those fields this weekend deserve the coverage that they need. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And with, without further ado, as we did say at the beginning of the show, um, we are going to get back to our old, to an older tradition of ours that we have had as all times have gone by. Enjoy week seven of the NAL. Um, enjoy your road trip over to Fayetteville if you are going over to watch the Mustangs. Enjoy your game anywhere that you are playing, or that you are seeing in person or watching on YouTube. And remember one thing, Jim, what do we got to tell the folks out there? Don't be a jack out of the box. Focus on your rules, people. Stay tuned to the next one as we'll be covering all the action and giving you our thoughts and takes on our next rebound session for from week seven. Catch you on the other side. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. See you soon. Covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim.